Hey guys, uh, before we get started tonight, I would just like to recognize an amazing achievement that has happened. An incredible yardage record that has been set this year. Thomas DeGant, the most yards in a breakaway. Well, good evening and welcome to episode 62 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is a very excited Bodie Bodie. Very hey loud Bodie Bodie. This is the T-Bone. And this is Sir Cheerio. Guys, we have a jam-packed show. This is the second time this week we've recorded, but this is the first time we've gone back to our usual format. We're all in the room together. Mm-hmm. We're, the vibe is here. I feel it. It's kind of electric. Uh, you got a bag over your microphone. I got this awesome beautiful green beer um well i mean hit jingle cross it's green we'll say that we're gonna hit pavlov we got worlds we got ef rafa we've got local stuff what happened to rouge all coming up on this episode so let's kick it off guys Let's just get right to the first thing on our agenda, Jingle Cross. Mm-hmm. Second stop on Bodie and Emily's World, Cur- World Cup tour of the Midwest. Right, so we covered World Cup Waterloo when we did the Skype in on episode 60, right? We sure did. I just started yeah. the timer, too. We got five minutes, guys. All right. Go for it, Bodie. Why don't you kick it off because you were the one that was there. You were our uh, foreign correspondent mm. on the weekend. You, this would probably surprise you, but I ate the most burritos I've ever eaten this year in Iowa City. I ate three in a row in one day. Okay. Did not know that Iowa City was a hotbed for burritos, but they sure are. Um, it's farmland. They have a lot of, uh, a lot of immigrant workers. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a lot of beef. Are they beef burritos? Uh, yeah, migrant workers. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Also a college town. Um, you know, the college kids love the burritos. Mm. So, yeah. So, Jingle Cross um, in Iowa City. It's at the Johnson County Fairgrounds. Yep. Um, they had a C2 on Friday, the World Cup on Saturday, and then a C1 on Sunday. So, a jam-packed weekend. Um, this is my first time going there. It was awesome. Mount Crumpet is no joke. Uh, running up and down that hill to get photos was pretty intense. I fell probably three times. Um, luckily I never got, uh, never damaged the cameras. Didn't get any mud on your lens. You weren't even carrying your bike up mountain. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine what it was like trying to race that hill and shout out to Emily who did actually race Saturday morning. And did she ride Mount Crumpet or they take that out of the, so that's in the, that's in the, uh, USAC races. It is. Yes. Not, not the, um, serpentine like section you saw in the world cup that went down and zigzag or it was crashing yeah that, that was pro only yeah yeah um but she did do it i actually did not watch a race because i stayed up late the night before editing photos oh and she left the hotel at like 7 30 in the morning dude um, that is so lame bro oh man that's I uh i don't know how do we feel about you, that dude. well i think i think she it was okay because i technically got hired to shoot photos that weekend that's right so i kind of had a job to do later the afternoon so i needed to sleep in a little bit working man she kind of cut me a break yeah i uh Mm. was lucky enough to meet helen wyman super super cool super awesome and her partner steph and they hired me for the weekend to shoot photos so that was pretty rad um just to kind of like hang out in the parking lot and kind of watch her do her thing and then watch her race and she happened to win the C2 on Friday night. And yeah, I, that was pretty awesome. I was like, oh shit, the person photographing is going to win this race. But yeah, so the night race on Friday was a C2. And what was interesting was that a lot of the big name racers weren't doing that race because mm. they were doing a World Cup the next day. And so I asked Helen, uh, you know, why were you racing the Friday night race? And, and she said that, A, she thought she had a good chance of winning and it's nice to win a race. And, 
can't can't argue with that. Fair enough. And because of the way the UCI points are set up, your rankings, um, you you acquire points in your C1s, your C2s, your World Cups, your Pan Ams, all those stuff. And you can only use so many C2s and you can only use so many C1s. Well, she had maxed out her C1s, but there's not a lot of C2s in Europe, so she had opportunities to get more points, ah. which affords her the front row call-up. Okay. So that was sort of a tactical decision that paid mm. off pretty well. Um, so it was, really, it was pretty cool to learn about that. Um, and that was a night race, right? It was a night race, yeah. Which is unusual, right? There aren't many night races. I think there's one in Europe or maybe two. There's uh, a few that we like to watch, one that happens in like uh, the downtown streets. It's like a fairground going on kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that, was, that was pretty awesome. Um, so who won the race on Friday night? Helen Wyman. That's mm-hmm. right. I think the other big thing to talk about with uh, Jingle Cross is Katie Keogh wins the World Cup. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. Um, I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's something, like, something that's been kind of a long time coming for Katie Keogh. We've seen her on the podiums at World Cups. Yes. And to win, to beat Marion Voss, uh, to do something that Ellen Noble couldn't quite do the week before. Right. Um, also, just a strong couple of World Cups for American women. If you think of Ellen Noble in second at uh, Waterloo and Katie Keogh uh, in first at Jingle Cross. So that was pretty rad. Also, big shout out to Evie Richards, who was fourth the week before in Waterloo. And then second, I mean, her last lap was pretty sensational at Jingle Cross. Uh, pretty impressed with that. And she's now leading the under-23 World Cup. Yeah, she is going on a vacation, though, so I wonder... She's in Ibiza right now, just yeah. lodging it. Just, just uh, I don't know what's going on. pretty stoked to uh, be going on vacation, so we'll see what World Cup she's at next. I would imagine she's going to be at all the World Cups. That's my guess. I think she's just not going to do any of the other races because it doesn't... Does it make any sense for a U23 to do them? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. But mm. guess what, guys? I was at a press conference again, mm-hmm. and I have some sound bites. All right. I noticed, Bodie, that you didn't text me this time for, uh, for information <laughs> prior to the press conference. I was waiting for the, waiting for the text. I uh, was ready to give you some more 30-second takes on important information, but the uh, call never came. Well, the call went, but the only one who answered was Matt. That's true. And he provided a pretty good question, uh, which we'll get to later. Okay. My first question was actually for Evie. Uh, (laughs) uh, How did you, I mean, you were sitting in fourth at the beginning of the last lap. What did it take to get up to finish second? Um, I I didn't really know exactly where I was. Like, they felt like quite far in front. Um, But I knew my strengths felt like they were on the climbs and on the descents. I just sort of went for it. So... I just really focused on those two sections and I felt like I closed the gap and when I knew there was only a lap to go, I felt quite strong because I thought it was going to be more laps than that, so I just really went for it. Well, Mariana, I guess you were in a similar boat. You had uh, two women behind you, you know, kind of what was your thought process that last lap and trying to hang on for second or third spot? Um, well, yeah. Um to say first place was already gone so we're battling for the rest of the podium places and um, I had some troubles down the hill so I had a small tumble and then yeah the two passed me first Sophie and also Evie um, but yeah getting forward in the, in a World Cup is not a, an ideal position so I really wanted to be on the podium and then I just passed uh, Sophie on the line so yeah for me that was uh, the last lap. Uh, Tom, so Two wins here. Does it change your perspective on the rest of the season, especially now that you'll be wearing the winner's jersey or the leader's jersey when you go back? Uh, I think Burn is the next one. Uh, yeah, that's the next World Cup. Yes. Uh, yeah, I didn't come. Yeah, I come here to do good races, but I didn't expect that I uh, gonna be take uh, yeah two races and two wins. So uh, that's better than than what I dreamed of. But uh, we'll see now. Uh, in a few weeks, Mathieu van der Poel will be back at the at the start line, and that's an, another uh, yeah hard uh, uh, concurrent to ride to. So we will see what it what it brings. But do you go into those races with more confidence now that you have won twice in a row and, and beat the current <laughs> world champion? Yes, of course. Uh, 
normally Vart is always better than me, but uh, the last two races I beat him, so yeah, for me it's a nice, uh, a nice thing to uh, to hold on. Thinking about becoming an honorary American? Sorry? Thinking about becoming an honorary American citizen? Uh, yeah, I don't know what it means, but yes, I think about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it means you like you like America, right? It's been good to you the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I have all, I, I was also always scared of being in America. Uh, the jet lag is not always that easy for me, but uh, this time it, it was very good. Uh, we know now already the hotels where we go every year again. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed my trip with the team uh, the last two weeks. How did the course change from your warm-up laps to when you were actually racing? And did that change any of uh, your strategy uh, from what you were thinking about when you were doing warm-up laps to what, how you actually rode when you were racing? Well, it was start. It, it rained like on the start line and a, a good amount of rain. So I feel like that's made the down the, the downhill um, kind of like more slippery and kind of like icy. Mm -hmm. And then. Um, in the pre-ride, it was I feel like it was starting to get a little more dry, um, so the rain definitely changed a little bit. And I did uh, I think I only did the first turn on Mount Crumpet, and the rest I just ran. Um, so that was a big difference from the pre-ride, and then also um, the last little bits on Mount Crumpet towards the end of the lap were um, for sure running for me. I didn't even try to ride in the pre-ride. I was trying a little bit, so I think the rain right before the start made a good bit of difference, but. Katie, since you've raced here, how many times? It's been a few now. Oh, yeah, I think the first time I raced here was at 15 years old, so a handful of years, yeah. So when the rain started falling, do you think you maybe had a little bit of an advantage, kind of knowing how gnarly and tough Mount Crumpet can be in uh, weather? I just really like this course and racing in the mud and, and the running. I like to run, so um, the conditions were good for me, and, um, yeah, it's just doing a World Cup in the States is always a really special thing, and the crowd and everything, so for sure that was a bit of motivation. Katie, at what point did you know that you'd won the race? Oh, I didn't like even think about it until the last couple turns, because that last descent at the end of the lap, it's short, but it's super steep, and it was, for me, I was nervous every time going down it, you really had to focus, so um, not until I got like down that the last time that I kind of thought about it, but just had to focus the entire time out there today to not make mistakes. <laughs> It's a question for anybody. Um, you've had two races in the States, and both of them had the women as a feature race. Do you, does anybody see this happening in Europe? No. <laughs> well, it can happen in Europe. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that America takes the lead in, uh, in this. And, uh, yeah, of course, it's uh, uh, it has been a good week or a good week of racing. Two weeks, two weekends of racing, uh, both for men and women, and um, I think we had good races also in uh, in both categories. So yeah, that's about uh, the showcase, and yeah, time timing is not uh, not making a difference, but of course for women cycling this was a uh, was uh, important. Evie, uh, we've seen you in the past start your cyclocross season pretty late, but you're you're wearing the leader's jersey. So does this mean that you're going to be racing the World Cups uh, this season to try to keep it? Uh, yeah, like I wanted this year to do um, a couple more. I, when I had a meeting in March, I sort of thought about stepping in maybe in October and starting from there. But Trek was excited to get me out to these ones, and I've always wanted to come and do them since Cross Vegas when I um, I saw it when I started racing in Zolder. So um, it's really cool to. Uh, come and race these ones and I'm going to take a little break after now just because it's been it's been a really long year so I'll have a, a couple of weeks off and then I'll come back and do a fair few and see if I can get away for Christmas to do um, a World Cup on Boxing Day so <laughs> we'll have to debate with my nanny for that but yeah it, it should be good to do a few more races because I love racing cross so. And Mariana how did you feel racing so early? Uh, is it easy to step in and start your season early or you know what are you thinking after these two races um, of course it's it's always uh, interesting to, to do those first races and to make the transition from another discipline or mountain bike or road um, but normally I step in later and then the rest is already in the rhythm of the season so actually this was uh, yeah uh, the same for everybody uh, to have those first races and uh, after last week I 
already, yeah, then you get the cyclocross feel. Of course, it was totally different circumstances, but uh, yeah, you get in the rhythm quite fast. Well, I guess it looks like uh, we're not holding our breath for Europe to follow America's lead on putting the women as a featured race. Uh, but, you know, I think that's, a, that's an important move, and it's, great to, and it's great to see that they recognize that America's taking the lead on something. Brody, was that Katie Keogh that answered your question with the one-word answer, no? Yeah, that was Katie, and then and then Voss stepped in, obviously. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I, I posed that question. They all just kind of looked at me, and there was, as you heard, a moment of silence. The crickets in the room. A little bit of crickets, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, interesting on that point, though, is that um, just recently, the Vittoria series, which is a UCI series in the Northeast, which mm-hmm. includes Gloucester and... Uh, Gloucester. Gloucester. Um, and Northampton, which is a cycle smart race, they applied to the UCI, I guess, to, to, to flip flop the men's and women's elite races in their mm. series, sort of back and forth, like each week rotate. Okay. And the UCI denied that request. Why? I have no idea. But even though they gave it, they, they let, uh, I think Reno cross do it. Um, yeah. both world cup Waterloo and jingle cross, for some reason, this series in the Northeast couldn't do it. So it's, first of all, it's kind of crazy. There's a rule about the order of the races, which I guess I can kind of understand. Like you put the junior in the beginning of the day, you end with the elites, but the, why does it matter if it's the men or women? Anyway, that shouldn't. Yeah. Featured race at Boss Cross next weekend, women's race. Awesome. Right. I'm into it. Then I'll be done and I can take photos. Um, so there was, what I thought was interesting, it was going to both Waterloo and Jingle was seeing how they're kind of both are world cups, both in the Midwest, but sort of two different events. And I think that, and, and they both had their really awesome parts about them, but one was Trek. One was on the factory grounds of a, of a large cycling corporation. Yep. And the other one, you know, was, was in a fairgrounds with barns and, and, and sort of run in a, in a different way it was it was trek was it was pretty slick they had like a slick app um mm-hmm. everything just looked really good jingle Very cross has that professional yeah kind of thing. yeah and then jingle, jingle cross has that like really terrible website that they like mm-hmm. finally updated where the cursor was like a snowflake forever um and it's weird because and it's it's also weird now right because it's it's got this Christmas theme, and yet yeah. it's nowhere near Christmas anymore. It used to be, right? It used to be. I mean, I think they had to move it up in order to um, become a World Cup. Right. And, and I'm not sort of making those comparisons to say one is better than the other. All I'm saying is that they're different. Mm. And um, I would say also go to Jingle Cross. That if you're a fan of Cross, make this Midwest World Cup trip. It is totally worth it. And it's what? A- two-hour drive between the two three hours not bad not uh, bad beautiful farmland in between if you're it's like going to ridgeland for us yeah so yeah and i mean the, those two races you know you mentioned the difference between the two i suppose one could say that jingle cross really benefits from the sort of corporate nature of trek because i mean you heard evie richards say or at least allude in that press conference that we just listened to you know that one of the reasons she's in waterloo is because it's trek because it's Trek Cup, she races for Trek. She wanted to come to that race. I'm not, maybe I'm reading too much between the lines, but I'm guessing maybe if it had just been Jingle Cross, maybe her decision to come to the States might be different. But because I, I, Trek happens and Jingle Cross is the next week, I think, you know, they, Jingle Cross benefits from having Trek Cup the week before. And then Trek Cup as well benefits from the fact that there's another World Cup race so close the next week. And so the combination of those two really does help get people over to the States. Well, I think I think if, you know to expand on that. One could even think that she is probably contractually obliged to show up to Trek. I mean, this is her. Oh, they're paying. They're paying sure. her bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the um, Telenet Fidea guys as well. I yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, um, well, one last story to kind of wrap up Jingle Cross, um, which I thought was a pretty unique thing, and and, and this has been reported. It's been on the internet. Uh, the Slow Ride Pod kind of scooped us on the story although they don't have an actual interview. Mm. Uh, Sammy Runnels, uh, Austin racer, racing for Squid Squad, been traveling the world on a tear. I think she's 
I read on the Squid <laughs> website or the Instagram that she's won eight UCI races in the calendar year. So just yeah, really, really coming up. Uh, she chipped her tooth in the World Cup, got it back, and got it fixed that night. Yeah, a fan picked it up. Is that correct? Fan picked it up. How, um, picked up a piece of tooth on a very sloppy course. Wait, did she she chip her tooth or did she knock her entire tooth out of her mouth? She chipped it. Chipped it. Okay. There's a good photo on my Instagram at Yeah You Ride. Good half uh, a tooth there, right? Yeah. It's missing. Yeah. But instead of us talking about it, let's just uh, go to the interview. Yeah, so Slow Ride scooped you, but now you're going to scoop them back with the actual interview. So Boom. dig this. I'm here at Jingle Cross 2018 with Sammy Reynolds. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. I just wanted to stop and chat with you tonight because you had probably one of the most interesting stories uh, at this weekend where you broke a tooth and got it fixed. Do you want to tell me about that? Yeah, it was pretty brutal. Um, I was riding in like top 20, just really feeling good. Um, and on the up on the uh, run up, I tripped and smashed my face into my bars and watched my tooth in slow-mo fall into the mud <laughs> and just burst it out crying. <laughs> I was just so upset, you know, it's like always been my worst nightmare to knock a tooth out. And it, it was just, I mean, it didn't even really hurt. It was just so emotional. And I was crying and I like rolled under the, the barrier and uh, these guys were just holding me. They're like, are you okay? Like, let me see, you know? And they're like, you know, trying to convince me to get back in the race. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to do it. You know, I'm like so upset. And they're like, well, you know, we'll, we'll take you to medical. And it just, it made me so angry. I was like, God, they can't even do anything for me. Like, I don't hurt. Like, I might as well just jump back in. And so I, you know, crawled back under the, the barriers and, and jumped back in the race and finished up. And I, you know, I still finished on the lead lap. And so it was fine. I, I think I dropped back like 15 or 17 spots, but you know, it felt good to finish. Um, just, <laughs> just had to finish out that brutal day, you know? Um, and I feel like the craziest part was, you know, afterwards the promoter came, comes up to me and he's like, do you want me to call you a dentist? You know? And I'm, I just, it was a really strange question, I thought, for like 6 p.m. on a Saturday. And I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> like, what do you, like, what are we going to do here? And so he calls his dentist friend, and the guy's like, yeah, meet me in an hour. And I, you know, meet him in an hour and get my tooth fixed. <laughs> like, it was kind of the craziest day ever. Um, apparently, he had previously fixed someone's tooth the year before. Um, yeah, Robert Thompson of iowa city dentistry <laughs> shout out shout out to him um yeah it was it was a really wild day i mean i'm kind of glad i got it out of the way you know i've gotten my worst nightmare out of the way so like what else do i have to be afraid of <laughs> yeah i mean i guess you you self-inflicted knocked your tooth out and like nothing else worse than that can happen yeah i mean knock on wood <laughs> you know <laughs> but I'm just, yeah, maybe next time I won't cry so much and I'll just jump back in the race. So how did you have your tooth to put back on? Because it was so, tell me what tooth it was and how did they, how did he fix it? It was my front right tooth and they actually, the, a guy saved the tooth that I knocked out, but it was broken into fragments. So if you knock your tooth out and it's like a whole piece, if you put it in milk, the calcium within the milk will save it and they can actually glue it back on. Um, that didn't happen for me. He just used um, resin and created a new tooth, so it's just a little cap. Um, pretty simple, I guess. But, uh, yeah, if you knock your tooth out, put it in milk, and you can save it. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, folks. Um, so tell me, uh, so you finished that race, missing tooth and all, even though you took up time off and, and uh, cried for a while. Uh, you raced today. Today was a C1. Uh, how did that race go? Uh, it went it went pretty good. I really needed some redemption on that hill. And actually, I tripped and fell on the hill again. But I was like, somebody was like elbowing me and I was elbowing back. So it was a little more like complicated that time. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I was super stoked today just to like get out there and, you know, finish the course and give it my all. It was a lot of running today, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love the mud and, you know, nothing worse can happen <laughs> after knocking my tooth out. 
Um, I've got some pretty good photos, so I'll definitely post those and tag you in them. Um, in, in, the, in the mud, uh, it was, I have a lot of photos. Someone said I have, all we had photos of yesterday was people running, nobody pedaling. You got 18th in the World Cup in Waterloo. I mean, that's a pretty good finish. Yeah, I was really excited about that. That was my first World, World Cup ever, so it was a hard course, and I think I fell twice, but uh, I, I was really stoked about that finish. And it's it's great to, like, get to do some World Cups this year and just, you know, kind of get it out of the way, see how you stack up against the best in the world, Marion Voss, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a pretty phenomenal race, and to watch Ellen Noble and Marion Voss go toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe was, like, I had shivers. I mean, I could feel it in the crowd. It was It was crazy. Um, you started off the season though with two wins in China. Is that correct? Two UCI, win, uh, UCI two, wins. Two in Australia, actually. I was second and third in China, but yeah, it was a really interesting trip. Um, I just I really love uh, getting to travel and, and racing, and like it's great to get to go to places like Australia and China, and like we're gonna go to Japan for three weeks at the end of the season, do some UCI races there, and it's you know it's great to you know, focus on being an athlete and, like, trying to race great, but, like, also get to see the world and, like, meet new people and have new experiences. Yeah, I think that's kind of be one of the, the awesome things about being able to race your bike like that is going places. Um, so tell me what's next uh, in your season. So next weekend is uh, West Sac GP, and that's my, um, my team's UCI race. So we'll be out in West Sacramento racing in the sand. <laughs> And what about the rest of the season? You can just kind of follow the Pro CX circuit or? Uh, so I'm going to do, I think after that, Cincy, and then I'm going to go do Pan Ams, and then I'm going to go uh, directly to Japan for three weeks and do uh, Starlight, Nobuyama, and Kansai, which are a couple UCI weekends. And then I'm coming back to do Ruts and Guts and um, nationals and possibly go to Europe. I'm, I'm thinking we're going to go at least for uh, the Christmas. There's like a three-week Christmas yeah. block, and then I'm trying to make worlds, so we'll see. Ooh. We'll see how that – I was really close last year. I was two spots off, so we'll see if I can do it. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, and I hope you best of luck with the season. I might see you at Reds and Guts, so hopefully be there and probably see you at nationals with a bunch of other people from Louisiana, Mississippi. Uh, uh, I mean, I grew up in Mississippi, so <laughs> yeah. I feel I feel you. <laughs> Speaking of Mississippi, we brought up a bunch of chips from New Orleans. Have you heard of Zaps chips? Oh yeah, those are the best. <laughs> They're so good. Do you like them? Yes. Are you offering me Zaps chips right now? <laughs> I'm I'm offering you some Zap chips and some wrap snacks, a little boosie if you if you'd oh like them. God, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> snacks last time I went home I found some and I was like so excited I tried every flavor they're pretty good <laughs> all right well we'll have to give you some of those here in a bit um Sammy thanks again for uh, taking a moment to talk with me uh have a good trip home thanks man nice to see you uh guys if you're at a bike race and you lose your tooth first step you look for a guy riding a moots or a parley <laughs> that's right Dentist. I was saying you could probably throw that tooth and hit a dentist at a bike race. Yeah. Maybe not at a cross race so much, though. Yeah, it's not many. Yeah, yeah. dentists don't race cross as much, do they? You're, but you're, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm, I, I'm thinking at a cross race, it's going to be a guy on a moots. That's, that's my guess. Well, there certainly is a dentist there, and I think that's uh, awesome. Thanks a lot to Sammy for sitting down and chatting with me, and pretty hilarious that like this was an incident that had happened before and the race promoter like knew what to do it was like all right um we're I, used it's fine we're used yeah, to this yeah. we got a protocol yeah. for broken teeth on mount crumpet um i forgot this, that uh, sammy said she was trying to uh make the world's team and i think with the way she's been racing yeah and her two wins uh at uh west sack last weekend where mm -hmm. our friend of the podcast alan was at yeah um i think she's got a i think she's gonna be on the world's team so that's pretty cool uh man squid could do a great job with the uh nats uh with the world's the usa kits huh should oh. let, they should let squid graffiti oh, those man. things up oh, man. wait man. wait wait hang on this, this is gonna set up for an amazing segue can you imagine if sammy or even anthony clark won the world championship and the world championship Squid kit? Yes. Yes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, guys, rainbows and unicorns, baby. <laughs> Dude, I'm into it. Okay, well, boom. All right, um, that's a great segue to the World Championships, and I am starting the, the <laughs> yeah, timer now. Worlds. Worlds. Well, yeah. Where are we going? Am I starting? We're talking yeah. about the World's Road Race. Yeah, okay. World Road Race, that's it. Men, women, yeah, right. no race support. Well, let's start with, start let's with the go. Wo- start Okay, with here, fine. I'll start with the hot take. Not a fan of Valverde winning the World Championship. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of controversy surrounding him for his entire career. People think that he should have been banned a long time ago. Um, you know, story of uh, Operation Puerto and so on and so forth. Never really came clean. Um, some, Constantly denied it. Yeah. And and lately says people shouldn't even ask him about that. Yeah. That it's foolish. Somehow, I don't, I, know, I don't know how he manages to, not into it. to do it. Um you know, not a big fan of dopers myself. I mean, I, I was I was out on Pavlov with a bunch of people that are super connected to the cycling world, and and there mm-hmm. was quite a bit of uh, poo pooing on the whole idea of Valverde even having an opportunity to race for the world championship, much less win it and be wearing the rainbow jersey. I don't know. I mean, you know, I hate to not come out on the right side of things, but I like the guy. Always have. Um, and, you know, happy to see him win the world championship. Here's my take. If you don't want Valverde to win a world championship, don't give him the absolutely perfect course to win the world championship on. True enough. Yeah. Okay. They basically gave him Liege Baston Liege. Um, uh, they gave or- him a super Liege. Uh, it was perfect for him. It's going to finish on, if it finishes on the flat at the end. He's going to be the best sprinter in the bunch. That's the way it works out. I will say the fact that he let out that sprint. Um, because he could. Because he could just like watch them, and it's like, I can cover every single move here. But can you imagine how cool it would have been if Michael Woods would have won? I mean, could have, would have, If it had finished have. at the top of the hill, Michael Woods would be world champion. Okay. Pop quiz for you two. I'm going to ask a question. In order for you guys to answer, you need to say your name. This is like an old radio show thing, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. Y'all ready? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Like first time caller, long time listener. <clears throat> well, if you want to answer the question, you got to say your name. So Matt, you'd have to say Matt, and I would call on you. Okay. Mm. Okay. Name the first color from top to bottom in the World Championship Stripes jersey. Black. No. Top to bottom? Got to say your name first. Townsend. Townsend. Black. Matt. Black. Green. You guys are both wrong. It's blue. Oh, God. Okay. And name the bottom color. Yellow. Got to say your name. Matt, yellow. Wrong. Townsend. Green. Yes. Okay. All right. I knew it was either at the top or the bottom. Okay. I actually. Black get... is in the middle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, it goes blue, red, black, yellow, green. Yeah. I'm going to edit this so it's going to work. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to win anyway. <laughs> That was that was my pop quiz. That's all I had. That was it. Oh man, <laughs> sorry. Oh, that was the whole thing. All right, Townsend won. Okay, so yeah, Valverde won that one. Anna van der Breggen won the women's race. Uh, that was an amazing, amazing forty k breakaway. I mean, uh, yeah, kind of a one-two with the Dutch. Well, it wasn't a one-two because. Well, I'm sorry. I meant I meant I meant like giving the old one-two like attack counterattack. Yeah, that was a story. So, yeah, I mean, an Annemiek van Vluten would have been the favorite, I think. You know, she'd already we won the time. We all picked her. We all picked her. She won the time trial, uh, but she crashed early on. She and broke her knee. Actually, yes, like broke her kneecap and uh, still kept racing, still broke away, still finished seventh yeah. with a broken kneecap. And she broke that kneecap pretty early on the race. She put in an attack. Uh, Van der Breggen, blah blah blah. Yes, lots of awesome stuff happened. Van der Breggen basically won it. So awesome, awesome win. So hey, before we win. leave Worlds, can we just all give a quick shout out to Junior World Championship winner Remco Evenepoel? Did you guys watch that Juniors race? I know we said we weren't going to talk about 
I did other races. watch that juniors race. But I mean, you talk about team tactics where he basically did all of the team tactics for the team. <laughs> he, he, he crashed. He chased himself back on. He um, worked his way up to the chase group. He Wait, attacked there, the chase uh, group. Are there he, ever team tactics in juniors he races? Counterattacked the uh, chase group. He, yeah. did, he did everything himself. He, I think he counterattacked himself and still won the race. Yeah. And just uh, rode off the front. Amazing. All right. And, world's and, is and done. he now has a. Uh, wait. Sorry. What's the name now? Uh, what? The Window Company oh, slash Quick yeah. Step. He now We're has He's going straight to Quick Step. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're now a window company and a floor company. They need a wall company and a roof company, and they will have a house. Well, <laughs> if this dude keeps racing, they could have any sponsor that they want because everybody's going to want to get behind this dude. He's yep. magic. Moving on, let's let's go. Since you brought up to California for Pavlov Townsend, you just got back from your uh, seven day trip down the California coast. Yeah, sixth year in a row. Um, Pavlov Foundation, a pediatric cancer foundation that uh, supports cutting edge cancer research uh, for pediatric cancers, and also supports programs for uh, a photography program called Shutterbugs for children that are in cancer treatment. Um, to uh, be kids while they're in in treatment and uh why don't you give us the quick lowdown and how you do that ride and what does the ride do so yeah so i mean it's a it's a seven day 550 mile ride um for the last few years it's either been from la to the bay area or from the bay area down to la this year it was from um just north of san francisco in san rafael california uh, down to uh, Pablo headquarters on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. Uh, seven days, basically down the California coast. It averages about 80 miles a day. Um, it is a fully supported ride. Um, you have the EF Education First Drapac presented by Cannondale, uh, the U.S. bus. That's there. right. Is that with you guys? Yes, right? driven by uh, Silvano. Uh, mm. Silvano with the uh, espresso machine on the bus. Always nice. Stop for lunch at the at the Cannondale uh, Draypack bus, um, and you know it's really the the, the closest that uh, any mortal will ever come to feeling like a pro cyclist. You're really treated like a pro. You have full support on the road team. The SRAM uh, NRS uh, supporting the ride, as well as uh, Campagnola uh, supporting the ride. Post-ride soigneurs. Uh, Post-ride massage. And uh, basically, you uh, eat, sleep, get massage, and ride your bike. That's pretty uh, pro-AF for a week. Um, but you are raising a lot of money, and it goes to a good cause. But but I, what I want to know is, like, how is it on the road? Is it like a club ride where... People are like, oh, I'm not going to attack. I'm not, it's going to go easy today. And then like punching each other and attacking. And Yeah, so the ride has <laughs> uh, the ride has a number of characteristics. How the many ride, KOMs did you get? Yeah, I don't know that I got any KOMs. Honestly, I was riding it. So the ride splits, uh, purposely splits into four subgroups of about 15 riders apiece. Uh, there's a fast group, uh, a somewhat fast group sort of a middle group and then a slow group. And um, each group has its own ride leaders. Each group has its own support vehicle. And uh, there's quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of tomfoolery in the fast group in terms of attacking and shit talking and um, posturing and breakaways <laughs> and everybody trying to drop everybody. Uh, the, the second fast group, is more like sort of our club ride where sort of everybody rides together at a, at a pretty decent pace but everybody sort of tries to work together and there's not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of breaking away and then the uh, the, the two other groups are um, you know more of a social kind of ride so you got every, everything whatever you want and you can you can flip and flop back and forth between groups on a day-to-day -day basis decide what uh, how you feel like riding that particular day and um, you want to challenge yourself you can ride a little bit faster if you want to hang back and have a conversation with somebody uh, you can ride in one of the slower groups what was your uh, favorite day of riding this year 
probably the same favorite day I've had every time we've done this particular route, which is the ride from uh, Cambria, California down to, or excuse me, the ride from Monterey, California down mm. to Cambria, which is a ride on the sort of the car commercial stretch of PCH. Uh, Highway 1. Yeah. yeah. Really beautiful. Uh, just, you know, up on the cliffs above the beautiful Blue Pacific. Yep. Through Big Sur and then uh, lots of lots yeah. of rollers. That's about a ten thousand foot day. It's a couple, a couple pretty tough climbs in that in that section. But you're climbing uh, with the Pacific Ocean mm. uh, to your on your right hand side if you're headed south all day long, um, and it just is really gorgeous. I've driven that. I have never ridden it. Anymore. I've also driven that. Um, so we are we're almost running out of time here. But I, I heard there was a great tire. Well, well, so Matt, you know, Matt was doing his own Segment charity tire ride. Talk? Come on. Let's talk about tires. Let's talk about FMB. Let's talk about all the good things that Gator skin. That makes me. Let's talk about tires. Yeah, Matt. I did, I did a charity ride this weekend, uh, this last weekend, not, not as uh, star studded and. Uh, extravagant as the one well, the, that the people's on, but this one that i've been doing for the last ooh, about eight years or so uh, i think this was my eighth uh bike mess louisiana which uh, starts in hammond louisiana goes to macomb mississippi uh it's about 71 72 miles each day and then back you know back again to hammond louisiana so we've done that uh in various incarnations of our team this year we were sponsored by Urban South Brewery, and we got some sweet new Urban South Brewery kits. Very nice. Wore yep. mine this morning on the uh, ride. I want to say a big shout out to uh, the Primal Rep Casey for uh, working with us on those and uh, and getting those to us uh, in time. And they're they're really uh, sweet kits, and everybody loved them. And once again, of course, we did not win the uh, best kit. Uh, competition. That's how you know it's a good kit because you guys didn't win. No, because usually it's a horrendous, <laughs> horrific, like the the worst kit possible that you could imagine is the one that wins. But also this year, it actually we never even got to that because we had a torrential downpour and basically the whole awards ceremony fell apart. So <laughs> we didn't even get to the point of presenting our magnificence. Uh, so I think I I am just saying we we won by default. That's all I'm going to okay. say. Yeah. yeah, but did you? But you had a question. So yeah, you were you were wondering what sort of I whether did. it was I appropriate. I had a question before the ride because I I was in two minds about which bike to ride. So I have two bikes. Well, I have I have many bikes, but I had two two bike choices. The first one was my road bike, which currently has uh, carbon tubular wheels on with twenty five mil. Uh, Vittoria, Corsa, Graphene, whatever's, right? And then my other bike is my cross bike, which has 35 mil tubeless John Bon Jovi's. Uh, and my question was for Townsend's mechanic on Pavlov about which set of tires I should ride. And I think Townsend, you actually asked your mechanic, Vince G, that question and I have not actually listened to the answer yet. Here we go. Uh, this is the T-Bone, and I am in, uh, where are we, Vince? Lompoc, California. Lompoc, California. And I'm here with friend of the podcast, Vince G. This is official, Vince. I've got my Yeah, You Ride cycling cap on. Uh, so yeah, we are we are on the podcast. Uh, you guys have heard from Vince on this podcast before. He is a pro mechanic, and he volunteers his time with the Pablo Foundation uh, every year to turn wrenches for the 50 or so bike riders that are riding to raise money to fight pediatric cancer and help kids live a love-filled life while they're in cancer treatment. And uh, it is late. It's about 8.30. We've all finished dinner, and Vince and the other guys are still out here wrapping up. You guys had uh, your work cut out for you today with the bikes that we brought back, huh, Vince? Yeah, a rainy day is uh, a little extra work. Not too crazy, but a little extra work cleaning bikes. I didn't think it rained in this part of California. Uh, only in this part. There's a one-mile radius that uh, all the rain uh, comes to. Yeah, so it was on us today. So, yeah, we brought back some pretty dirty bikes. And, 
Anyway, Vince, uh, Sir Cheerio, uh, who is, as you know, one-third of the Yeah, You Ride podcast uh, back in New Orleans, sent me a question today that he wanted me to ask you. He is also involved uh, in his own charity ride. This is the MS-150 that uh, he and a number of our teammates do, which is coming up this weekend. And Sir Cheerio wanted to know, he has uh, a set of uh, tubular tires that have Vittoria 25-millimeter Corsa tubulars glued to them right now. Uh, he wants to know if it would be appropriate for him. From a mechanics perspective now, Vince, uh, it would, would it be appropriate for Sercherio to ride those uh, tubular tires uh, in a two-day, 150-mile charity ride? And the caveat is uh, he is going to carry some uh, fix-a-flat sealant uh, and also a spare tubular tire. Good or bad idea? I think it's a good idea. I think the performance of tubulars is unmatched. It's just the challenge of putting them on and taking them off that uh, a lot of people uh, have uh, trouble with. But it's actually a pretty easy task because it's more technique than brute strength, which a lot of people will find it very hard to get tires on. But uh, uh, for example, my personal record for gluing tires is 60 tires in one day. Wow. Uh, so it's actually not that hard. It's a lot of technique. And, and it, if you're having uh, spare tires and sealant, uh, fix a flat, I, I think it would be a great idea because the performance is unmatched and it makes the ride that much more enjoyable. All right, so there you go, Sir Cheerio. There's your answer. The answer is yes, you should ride them, assuming you know how to... Uh, peel the tire off. How to peel it off. And put it back on. Uh, I'm not super familiar with Vittoria tires, so I don't recall if they have latex tubes or not. I am not that familiar with them either, but I think that they do. Okay, if they do, then my solution wouldn't work. But if they have butyl tubes, uh, one of the sponsors of the Volo team that I work for, Finish Line, just came out with a sealant that I think is fantastic. I used it at the tour of Utah and the tour of Colorado with uh, amazing success. I think we had three flats the entire two races. This is the new finish line sealant with the engineered particles inside that apparently bind to each other better than before? Wor yes. Word on the street was when they were developing the uh, sealant, they, they had to postpone production on the sealant because the machinery that was producing the sealant got sealed by the sealant. Oh, wow. Okay, last question, Vince, before I let you go. And this is apropos of what we were just talking about with the new finish line sealant. Do you know what a rocket chaw is? I do know what a rocket chaw is. What is a rocket chaw? Tell me. A, a, a rocket chaw is like some people call it a sand spur. It's it, it, the, the engineered particles in the finish line sealant, I compared the look of them to a rocket chaw, which is like a sand spur or a goat head. I think you guys call them out here. Goat heads? I'm familiar with goat heads, yeah. Okay, so a rocket chaw is what we call a goat head in uh, southern Louisiana and Mississippi. I'm going to use that term now, rocket chaw. Yeah, it's awesome, huh? Yes. All right. Vince, thanks for everything that you do out here, and uh, much pab love to you. And, and uh, Vince and I every day have been uh, giving each other a, uh, you know, I ride campy. Vince uh, is uh, kind of a SRAM guy, but we have decided uh, that uh, hugs are not drivetrain. Uh, they're drivetrain neutral. Drivetrain neutral hugs. And uh, we've been giving each other a drivetrain drive neutral hug every day, so let's uh, finish it off with a little drivetrain neutral hug. Drivetrain neutral hug. Here it is. All right. Good night, guys. Big love. Wow. There's a lot to unpack from that, uh, Townsend. Well, you've got to do it quickly. Yeah, first more, of all, more than the answer that you were looking for. First of all, Hugs for. or Drive Train Neutral is going to be a t-shirt that I'm going to be putting out. Yeah. Uh, second of all, I'm so sorry, Vince. I didn't ride the tubulars, okay? Big fail. Uh, but I did ride my John Bon Jovi's, and I did ride my cross bike. And it's awesome. And I hit all the gravel sectors. I hit all the gravel KOMs on that ride. I didn't realize there was gravel on that ride. Uh, I just made it. There are actually. There's so. There's so. There's a lot of little gravel. There is actually. I actually made a. a I took a gravel shortcut on a on a corner, and 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 got to the front of our group. So, I'm gonna actually make a sector there, Bjorn style, uh, which I will own forever. And, perfect segue. Yes to our next segment mm. which has to do with gravel gravel mm. gravel and more gravel yeah uh i titled it ef rafa because a couple yeah. things that happened uh we learned that rafa is now going to be a technical sponsor for ef education first drapec 
we also learned that that team, EF, is, is looking to expand the races their riders do, which includes endurance events, which includes gravel events, which also includes Red Hook. Uh, we also learned that uh, Perry Tour had a bunch of gravel added onto it, it and Old World Team Quickstep was not too happy about the gravel and that they were never going to do it again, even though they landed a man on the podium who's actually going to direct Intergy. So, well, you know, whatever. But I think this is... Wait, wait, wait. Is that a Louisiana team, direct Intergy? (laughs) What is the name of the team? Direct Energy. You said direct Intergy. Intergy. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess Uh, I want to talk about this because this this is kind of a whole, like, there's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. Well, there. I think it, it it really speaks to what's happening uh, in our local community and just everywhere. Um, the fact that we're going to do a gravel circuit race on Sunday. Yeah, we've actually had this will be the fourth unsanctioned gravel circuit race we've done this year. Mm. Um, and there's more and more gravel races. I mean, Mississippi Gravel Cup. Uh, we've got Dead Man Gravel. There's all all kinds of like gravel action going on in our region. And in the U.S. in general, gravel is the big thing, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's the, the, new, the, the, it's the talk, new hotness. Yeah, the talk about amongst, you know, the, the bike industry folk out on the Pavlov ride uh, was, was just, it's all gravel. It's all gravel all the time. And, you know, what's also interesting is that, and I mentioned this in the podcast, I thought that the uh, FDJ picked up Larry Warbus because of his, well, he's going to FDJ? No, no AG2R. AG2R. I said they they picked him up because Mm -hmm. he did the whole no-go tour with Conor Warbass. Now we have Thomas DeGent and who else is it who are going to ride from one part of Europe to the next? They're going to ride like a thousand kilometers. Was it Yelly or one of of those guys? I don't know. But but the idea, and this is what JV said in this interview with Cycling Tips, is that they're looking, and the guy from Rafa, actually. I'm I'm seeing a lot of this. Simon Mottram. I'm seeing a lot of this from the Cycling Tips podcast and yeah. uh, website. But the idea that it's not winning a race is not necessarily the most bang for your buck for a sponsor. It's the but stories. It's the, it's, it's the stories. Yeah. It's the engagement. Mm-hmm. And you look at someone like Phil Gaiman, who has got a, he's probably got way more followers now on social media than he did when he was a racer, even though he was really good at that. And the idea that you don't have to always be winning races to engage and so what that means for a brand. And I think that Larry Warbass is a really good like opportunity for uh, yeah. for AG2R to expand into an American audience audiences. And I, I think that I think this Honestly, is really interesting. I, I'm I'm pretty excited about this the way things are going, and I'm really excited to see Taylor Finney at Red Hook Crit. I'm super excited. Well, I think I think <laughs> I'm super yeah, I'm super excited about the the possibilities. Okay, so Parry Tour, to, to bring it back to Parry Tour, yeah. that was, okay, I, I don't understand Patrick Lefebvre's problem with it. It's like, doesn't, don't you race Ghent Vevelgem and yeah. all those things? Ghent Vevelgem added some, some dirt roads. I mean, Parry Roubaix, are those actually roads? Parry Tour was great this year. It was really exciting. It was beautiful. It was, it was a French Strade Bianche through vineyards, right? It made it more beautiful and glorious and wonderful. That's what people want to see. That's, you have an audience. You have, it's like, I, I don't care. Like, I don't care about your sprinter winning. I really do not care about that. What I care about is seeing something glorious and wonderful and beautiful and exciting. And I got to see that at this year's Paris Tour. So I want to see more of that. I want to see more excitement in races. I don't want to see 200K and then waiting for a 200-yard sprint. I don't care about that. Well, it's interesting, interesting. interesting that this announcement from Rafa is coming also on the heels of a little bit of a kind of, not a brand redo for them, but at least a bit of a rethink yep. or a, 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 you know, a where do we go from here sort of thing. I mean, they've dialed in the whole... Um, history and glory of road cycling and the black and white picturesque uh, road cycling photography sort of idea and 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 I'm guessing that they are aware of what we've been talking about um, in the last few minutes here about the allure of gravel and the the appeal of the story obviously nobody knows how to brand cycling like Rafa knows how to brand cycling and I think they're realizing that 
the way cycling is going is away from that sort of classic road cycling um, homage to the past and is really now getting into more the storytelling and the adventure and so on and so forth. And I think it makes perfect sense for them to, to get involved with the things that they're getting involved with now. But, uh, but uh, you know, to, I would say it's also, it, in a way, it is an homage to the past because the, the real, you know, like the early, early history of road cycling is gravel roads. It's gravel climbs. It's all, yeah, it's all that's that very true. And so when we see the Colle delle Finestre, that's reminiscent of the very early Grand Tours going over the Pyrenees and, and everything like that. It's, I, th- I think we're getting back to something that really is, is very exciting and visceral about cycling. Yeah, well, sure. Gravel wasn't invented in the 21st century. No, it's the fact that we, we paved everything and now <laughs> put up a parking lot. Um, <laughs> I think I, what I think is that it, I think what I think is cool is that we are expanding or they are expanding. And the, it's not just so like we don't have to stick to the pavement. No. But we, I, 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 I'm still jammed and jazzed about the classics. I'm going to enjoy the, the Tour de France. But I like the idea of Lawson Craddock going to Leadville. I mean, yeah. we've had what Alex Howes went, uh, Joe Dombrowski went. We've seen a lot of big riders. Obviously, a lot of big riders. Katie Keogh won mm-hmm. Dirty Kanza. So that stuff is happening, um, and I think it's great. And, uh, and we're seeing like former pros like Allison Tetrick and Ted King. They're like, that's what they do now. They do gravel races, and they do their own thing. And they are actually, you don't have to live in that same world of being on a world tour team. You can actually define for yourself what you are. And I think that's really interesting as an athlete, right? You, they're, they're actually like expanding. They're, they're defining like, I, I really like doing this, right? And I'm really good at doing this one thing. I, I might suck at doing crits and I might suck at doing time trials or whatever, but I can be this person and still be an athlete and still make a living doing it. And I have my sponsors and I have my social media. It's changing. It, 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 you know, the whole environment is changing. And I think... This is really interesting. What EF Education First, Traffic presented by Canada, hashtag Rafa, <laughs> is doing. God, they've got to fix that name. So, other than that, I mean, Rafa's going to make. They're that not pick. going to because they own the team now. They do own the team, and I think this. But that is also really fascinating too, because I think it's a really smart move what Education First has done. I mean, they are like, okay, how many? You can't get like. If they can't sponsor an American football team or whatever, they're they're an international company. And I still don't know what they do. I don't still don't know what an EF. Well, they education used to be called first English is. First. They used to be called English First, and it was about people learning English around uh. the world, right? So now they're called Education First because it's about it's basically about travel and learning languages, right? Okay. So they they set up like travel language programs and everything, which ties in perfectly with the World Tour Cycling Team. Because a World Tour cycling team is a bunch of people from different countries who are learning to speak together as well, right? So I think that that's a great acquisition that they have. And it's cheap. Cycling is cheap compared to acquiring other sports. I think this is an awesome move. And I think having Rafa involved too, the storytelling, it's going to be a win-win. Uh, breaking news on the rumor wire. Uh, I just heard that uh, EF Education First is going to sign... Eric Sagan Stewart to race in the Red Hook Crit this year. Uh, J- Jonathan Vodders of JV is quoted as saying, we wanted to expand our fan base with new markets. Mm. The Gulf South is emerging on the fixed gear scene. And Eric Stewart's raw power plus his Chadu vibes is a nice accompaniment, accompaniment, accompaniment. accompaniment to Tay-Tay Finns. Um, anyway, so that, 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 that's great. Wow, congratulations, Eric. <laughs> And, and he's probably gonna, heard it here first from us if he's listening to this podcast. If, if he doesn't listen to this podcast, he'll yeah. probably never know that he's been signed. <laughs> Someone will tell EF. him. I, I, I would also add that there's probably going to be some incredible crash footage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of gravel, I think this brings us to our next thing, and that is... And this is our last thing. Pretty much. Some local gravel. Yeah. Uh, local gravel, local uh, gravel, local road race that has gravel. Rouge Bay has been canceled for the 2019 year. Mm. Um, that is because of the county, the parish, yes. West which, Feliciana Parish, in which most of it takes place, mm-hmm. has decided to enact some 
Well, oddly enough, like the best action actually starts is in Mississippi, but West Feliciana Parish is where it starts and finishes. Yeah, yeah and they decided to enact an ordinance that's pretty anti-cyclist, although it's very said to be in the name of protecting cyclists. Uh, if you even read any bit of the language, you know that it's 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 all about protecting drivers. It's about um, protecting drivers from having liability from crashing into cyclists because they don't want to be responsible for killing people. Right, people don't want to be responsible for their actions. Yeah. Um, so so what the promoters of Rouger Bay have done have decided that they don't want to deal with the, with the place like that, and they'll take their money elsewhere. And I say, uh, big up to them. I mean, I know that that is a big event that comes to a small uh, parish and provides a lot, brings in lots mm-hmm. of racers from all over the country. You have hotels, restaurants, people buying gas. I mean... That's sure to be a, a, a nice sum of, of money that comes in. Yeah. And there's also other rides and races every, that happen there. Every and, hotel room in oh yeah, St. Francisville booked is booked up that entire weekend. And that's, you know, and getting a seat at a restaurant in St. Francisville that it's weekend. It's pretty hard. It's, that's a lot of money that comes into that town for that weekend. And I think that's a huge mistake on their end, personally. Another race uh, that also takes place, the Feliciana Road Race, mm-hmm. they also decided to follow suit and cancel their race. Um, and then there's a big charity ride yeah. called, gosh, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's it, it the Red, Red Bug Hill Challenge. No, 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 no. It's the, that's it's, a separate thing. It's a it's a charity ride that raises money to make adaptive bikes for handicapped children. That's right. Pretty and cool that, event, and, and they, that's around St. Francisville. Yeah, they, they've too. also pulled out of their um, pulled out of pulled out of St. Francisville because of the backwards view. So, well, I hope that those guys uh, can find another venue and continue to do the race. It sounds like it's probably not going to happen at all in 2019, um, but that maybe we'll have a new venue going forward in 2020, or maybe uh, those guys will just decide to expand and do something different and just as cool. Yeah. And, and I can, you know, hot news right now. I, I earlier this evening on the way here, I, I messaged a friend of the podcast, uh, Thomas Gibbons, uh, who we were really hoping to see there at Rouge Bay. Uh, He had not heard about this. So, um, you know, that's a a real shame that we're actually not going to see him there. Yeah, I was pretty bummed. We were talking about doing a video with Thomas Mm -hmm. and uh, following along his his race. And he was someone who kind of had a good chance of winning. And it would be pretty cool to be following someone who might win. But we've got the Mississippi Gravel Cup. Which is going to be taking place in January and February. That's going to be a four race series this year. I think we've talked about that a bit on the yeah. podcast. So all, I'm all in on that. This race is a go, and um, everybody should get out and register and race it. But before I, I did that, one of those. Yeah, I think I think we yeah. should all do one together. Well, uh, Sunday. Well, Sunday we're going to race, right? Yeah. Sunday we have the forty Arpent Gravel Race, um, fourth in the four unsanctioned gravel circuit race series in new orleans big um, shout to kurt jaron for uh, organizing this the a second time this year townsend uh, you posed a question in the event if you should race a's or b's and he said you should race the promoter said you should race a's and i i chimed in and said you should race b's yeah to which i did a crying face emoji on that one thanks bodie uh, but I did say I wasn't going to take it personally if someone suggested I do the bees, nor was I going to take it as some um, fluffing up of my of my ego if you said I should do the A's. Um, so what did you sign up for? I signed up for the A's because I signed up after Kurt's comment saying I should do the A's and before your comment saying I should do the bees. So then, then Kurt you know, chimed in and said, uh, no matter what I signed up for, he'd let me do whichever one I wanted. So I don't know. I, I, have well, to decide whether I, you know. I mean, look, we've had some really good battles on the cross course this year. We've yep. gone toe to toe. The reason I said bees was because I, I, this this circuit race is more like a road race, and I was remembering after the very first Boss Gravel Circuit race on the West Bank when you did the A's. Yeah, I got you, blown up. You got blown up, and you said, "Damn it, I should have done the bees." Right. So I'm just trying to help you out. Right. You're trying to get me on the podium. Yeah. In the B race. In the B race. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right. Well, I signed up today. What'd you sign up for? Bees. Yeah, that's smart. Smart move. <laughs> okay. Well, there yeah. you go. And, and that, uh, that, that gives me that I, much more incentive to go race the bees because now I could be racing with or against uh, Sergio. Look, and if, uh, and the, if I remember on that boss race, I uh, I beat you in the A's. <laughs> oh. 
Dang. Oh, that's right. In the gra- that the the uh, gravel circuit race on the on the West Bank. Mm. Yeah, you did. Not by much, but you did beat me. <laughs> All it right, doesn't all matter right. how much I beat you by. It's, it's well, about, we'll have to check yeah. in next week and yeah. we find out uh, who won the podcast <laughs> <laughs> by winning the Scrabble or who placed best in the gravel race. Yeah. Um, but guys, I think we've, uh, we've I think we've played it all out here. Um, yeah. Quite a good episode. Good to get good to good to get in the the podcast uh, studio and hash it out with you guys again. Yeah, for sure. Um, and guys, if you if you haven't listened already, because uh, our interview with Alan Krughoff will be already out when you hear this, please go listen to that. I think that was a that was a really great episode, and uh, he was a wonderful guest. And thank you so much, Alan. Yeah, go check that out. Um, that'll be up before this one, uh, episode sixty one with Alan Krughoff. Um, yeah, we're on fire this week. We are two episodes in one week. I know. Um, yeah, we're gonna have. Will, will we have anything to say next Monday? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I mean, it depends on whether I beat Matt in the 40-yard pink gravel race or not. I'm excited. Right, let's close it out. Yeah. Townsend? Hey, all right. Well, guys, it's been great talking to you. Uh, this is uh, the T-Bone saying that uh, T-Bone Malone is still going hard in the tape, but T-Bone Malone is also going hard in the Cannondale bus with an espresso in his hand. Well, this is DJ Rear Admiral Sir Cheerio coming at you live, and or not live because you're going to hear this later, but I'm saying not only am I going to thrash T-Bone in the gravel race, I'm also going to kick some ass at the boss, across uh, DJing, and rock some tunes. And this is the Bodie Bodie saying, once again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please uh, shoot us an email, email at yayuride at gmail.com. Feel free to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And I will see you guys on Sunday. Um, no tubulars, just tubeless clinchers. Canty breaks. Check out that tan line.